This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Well, as mentioned earlier, I am going to feature two Alabama stories each day this week that received the most views and readings in 2023 on the 1819 News website. The countdown will start from 10 and end with the number one story of the year. Today's report involves stories number eight and seven. Number eight was written by Craig Munger about the massive Unite Auburn event that was put together by several Auburn University coaches who brought in a worship team and speaker to challenge the students and the young people of that area. Coaches Bruce Pearl, Hugh Freeze, and Butch Thompson all promoted the event with videos that they posted to their social media accounts. The Passion Music Band from Atlanta, Georgia was brought in, as well as Pastor Jonathan Pakluda of Waco, Texas, who brought a message of living life within a biblical perspective. Neville Arena was packed out with those attending, and an impromptu baptism occurred later that night at the Red Barn in Auburn following that worship experience. Story number seven takes us over to the University of Alabama and involves football coach and Alabama legend Bear Bryant. The iconic coach was brought up in an interview with 1819 News CEO Brian Dawson and the founder of the Big Oak Ranch for Boys and Girls, John Croyle. Croyle was on the football team at Alabama when Bryant was coaching. They they had a drill where where they would put three guys in front of you, and I played defense, so he put me over here by myself. And there'd be three guys in front of me with a combined weight of 900 pounds. And I weighed 110. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at these guys. And he would always go stand behind the offensive line because he wanted to look in the eyes of the defensive player. Because mm. you're going to see uh, enthusiasm, uh, confidence, or fear. And uh, he would go around and he would be looking in. And if you were confident and you're looking at these guys and say, y'all outweigh me, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, and then you would clog up three people, and the linebacker come over the back and make the play. Uh, he was always looking for that enthusiasm and always looking for that confidence. And if you're afraid, you didn't play wow. because uh, his his idea was: if I make you scared on Tuesday in a tough drill, then you're going to be scared on Saturday. But even more importantly, if you quit on Tuesday, you're going to quit on Saturday. Mm. And uh, he couldn't ho- he couldn't tolerate the quitting. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, you can go to 1819news.com to read more. In national news, the stories that I'm going to revisit in this national report may have actually occurred a year or more ago and were presented in a certain light by the mainstream media with the intentions of getting a particular reaction or result or conclusion from the American viewer. As those stories continue to develop and unfold, we are looking at them in a very different way in light of the facts revealed. And this has all come as a result of very tenacious people determined to find the truth and bring it to the public's attention the way that normal journalism is supposed to work. The story I want to discuss in this episode is a very big one. It has to do with the 2020 election. After all of the very strange occurrences in several swing states on that night, November 3rd, 2020, Chris Krebs of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency made this statement before a Senate committee hearing. In conclusion, because of these and other efforts, on November 12th, 2020, government and industry representatives from the election security community issued a joint statement reflecting a consensus perspective that the 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history. That statement reflects the confidence these officials gained based on years of work poured into improving the security and resilience of our elections. 
It was based on the strong operational relationships developed across the election security community. It was based on the tremendous partnership between CISA under the thoughtful guidance of this committee, the FBI, the Election Assistance Commission, the Department of Defense, and the intelligence community. It was based on an intimate understanding of how our elections work here in the U.S. It was based on the increase in paper ballots and audits across the nation. And probably most importantly, it was based on the professionals, the heroes that conduct elections in this country. Krebs made the statements on the 2020 election as an employee of the federal government and CISA. Remember, CISA is the agency that was most recently exposed for behind-the-scenes efforts to censor any Americans who spoke out in question of the 2020 election results. Independent journalists Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi have done a lot of research in exposing the efforts from big government and big tech to establish the narrative on the 2020 election and to silence anyone trying to portray it otherwise than secure and accurate. Now consider the words of a professor who is not employed by the U.S. government or any other large corporation or big tech entity. Dr. Douglas Frank has been traveling all over the U.S. since 2020. He's been talking to election officials at the state and county level, and he has studied their voter roles as a mathematician who is looking for trends that suggest an algorithm. Here is Douglas Frank speaking about what he learned about the 2020 results in Pennsylvania alone in regards to adhering to state law and election standards. So, for example, the state of Pennsylvania in 2020, when Secretary Bookbar took the floor three weeks after the 2020 election to get to have the legislature certify the outcome, one of the legislators raised his hand and he said, excuse me, Madam Secretary, we can't certify this election. Because uh, state law states explicitly, you shall not certify any election that has more ballots than voters. And the state of Pennsylvania had three uh, 765,000 more ballots counted than they had voters that showed that that voted. So and that is obviously there's something wrong with that. So they certified it illegally. And then, but what happened was Secretary Bookfar said, oh, no, no, it's okay, everybody, go ahead and certify it. It's just COVID. Everything will be reconciled over the next few months. The problem is the clerks are just behind on their record keeping. Well, that's not true. Even when the clerks caught up, they had more ballots and voters. So that was illegally certified by their own wow. admission. So that's just one example of a state that illegally certified their elections. If you're looking for other examples, in Wisconsin, I met with Speaker Robin Voss, the Speaker of the House, a private meeting with him that turned out to be public by accident because uh, these television stations showed up and ambushed him after the meeting. And he talked all about what we'd learned. And he admitted publicly that there's widespread fraud in the state of Wisconsin, far more than the margins of the elections. That's a public statement. And it's publicly acknowledged. And they have Ga- the Gableman reports. And several studies that have uh, testified under oath there, multiple that we've shown that that election was certified illegally. So I just gave you two examples. I could just go on and on and on. Multiple states have issues. There are issues with the machine certification, et cetera. Keep in mind that Dr. Frank is a physicist with an expertise in computer programming, chemistry, mathematics, electronics, and advanced computing. He has 60 peer-reviewed scientific publications to his name, and he spoke this past November on the Red America First podcast about all that he has discovered and determined regarding elections in general. Every election I study, I find fraud in it. I've yet to find one that's clean. I'd like to find one that's clean. In fact, in the, at the beginning, 
when I first started this work in December of 2020, I was, I'm a scientist. I'm looking for controls. I was trying to find places that I couldn't predict. <laughs> and so I was looking for a control. I could, I've yet to find a control system, uh, a place where there wasn't fraud in the 2020 election and in the 2022 election all over the place. And I think what's particularly um, disturbing to a lot of people is that we find fraud, a lot of fraud in like school board races, local school board races. And people are like, well, who cares about that? Well, you got to think about this for a minute. If your turnouts are really low, which they typically are, in the because a lot of school board races are run in the spring, they're not run at the same time as the general election. So the turnouts are really low. A lot of times they're decided by just a couple of hundred votes or a couple of dozen votes. Okay. Well, which is cheaper to pay $10,000 for a campaign, okay, to win a school board race, or to just buy a bunch of ballots that are guaranteed votes for you? And those ballots, there's a black, there's a black market for those. So it's cheaper to just buy ballots and campaign from your basement than it is to actually have a real campaign. Frank also discussed the state of voter rolls throughout the U.S. If you look at the voter rolls in every state in America, and I've analyzed the voter rolls in every state in America. In fact, I've analyzed right down to the individual address of voters in over 3,000 counties. I've been doing this almost every day of my life for three years straight. Um, if you look at that, what you'll notice is that in every state, and I'm not using this term lightly, in every state in America, the voter rolls are growing faster than the population. And in some states, the voter rolls are growing so much faster than the population that the voter rolls have gone right past the population. There's more people in the voter rolls than they have people. And you know that can't be right. So that's the first simple pattern to talk about. And when, when you show that to people, and when I give my presentations, I show people their own state, and then I even show them their own county. And I show that that situation, is, that they have that situation. And they're like, wait a minute, Dr. Frank, how could that possibly happen? Well, it's quite straightforward. What's happening is states are not cleaning their voter rolls. They're leaving dead people in there. They're leaving people who've moved away still in their voter rolls. So people end up being registered in multiple states. And when you do that, and then you add on top of that an accelerated registration program. Uh, for example, in most states now, if you go and get your driver's license renewed, you're automatically put in the rolls unless you opt out. Or if you're an illegal alien coming into an estate and they, you're encouraged to get a driver's license, they automatically put you in the rolls, even though you are not a citizen and are not entitled to vote. Throughout the entire country, in every state, the voter rolls are growing faster than the population. So much so that in eight states, there are more people in the voter rolls than people. Frank also discusses the algorithms that have been determined by the numbers extracted from county voter information and election statistics. The thing about elections is that elections are the simplest math there is. You know, one plus one plus one plus one. You know, you count up the ballots. It's a simple math. But I've applied some fancy math to what I've observed. So, for example, from the 2020 election, if I were to go into a state and study one of the counties in a state, and let's say I was to ask the question, how many 18-year-olds voted here? How many 19-year-olds voted here? How many 20-year-olds voted? And I was to do that 
for every age in a one county, for example, in a state. Then, surprisingly, I can predict every other county in that state, how many 18-year-olds vote, how many 19-year-olds vote, how many 20-year-olds vote, et cetera. In other words, one, all of the counties are voting exactly the same. That's a very strange thing. And so that's one of the patterns that I discovered. And I can go into any state and do that. And that's why Mr. Lindell made that movie Scientific Proof About Me, because it's, it's like proof that the elections are not natural. It's proof that there's, a, there's some algorithms in control of what's going on. It's, to me, uh, proof is sort of the wrong word. Uh, to me, that's evidence. And when you have evidence, then you use that evidence to find the proof. You know, sort of like you say, hey, the murder rate has gone up in our town. But that would be evidence. And then you, you go find dead bodies. That would be proof. And it's the same way in election work. I, I do the mathematics and statistics to know where to look. And then when we actually find the actual fraud, that's when we um, that's when we have the proof. So you can see the difference between evidence and proof. When it comes to the 2020 election and other individuals who have done their own research and fact finding are names like Seth Keschel, Clay Parikh, Dave Clements, Sean Smith, Garland Favorito, Greg Phillips, Catherine Engelbrick, and of course, as mentioned by Dr. Frank, the Michael Gableman Report. You're listening to the Daily Detail from 1819 News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been the Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 